The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. This is me, this is Simon Tishko, this is Isotopica here on Resonance 104.4 FM. Here today in lovely warm London town with special guest live on air, Mr. Dudley Sutton. He went pop. Dudley goes pop over in the corner. Tell you what happened. I was watching a movie late, late, late the other night and we were watching a rather nice Blu-ray version of the Stephen Frears film about Joe Orton. Prick up your ears, the beautifully titled movie. Sensational, do watch that film. And in the background, there was whoever it was, the actor playing uh, Joe Orton, chatting away in the theatre in so not so home. It'll be Sloan Square, probably, was it Sloan Square? No, it was in um, <coughs> the Arts Theatre, Great Newport Street. There you go, the Arts Theatre, Great Newport Street. It should have been. Should have been, should have been. That would have been rather nice. But there in the background was the poster, and the poster said, starring Dudley Sutton. And I thought, that's Dudley, my friend. How cool is that? He's got to come back on the radio and not talk about that because we don't do these linear talky things on Isotopica but I'm not allowed to no, I'm not allowed to, to. No. I wanted to go linear but he wouldn't let me <sighs> give me another five pounds and you can go as linear we as you want we nearly came to blows between here and Borough Market we do that sometimes though, didn't we yeah which mm. is nice so hot weather we're going to try not to discuss politics no I would like to talk uh, interrupt you <laughs> a second talk about that poster Because if you see a film called The Producers... I love The Producers. That poster is on the table between Mel Brooks and... Name blindness gone. The other actor. Zero Mostel. Zero Mostel, that genius Zero Mostel. And and you can't see it on television, but in the cinema, there is that poster. Sheila Hancock, Mm -hmm. uh, lead thing, and Dudley Sutton in Entertaining Mr. Stone. That's... I mean, there's so many... Yeah. (laughs) What's happening... We're colliding cultures, aren't we? As ever, in the meta isotopica thread. Because um, not only that, but in that film, there was an actor playing you. 
Yeah, there was. And do you know, they never even rang me up or wrote to me and asked permission, or not even permission, but mentioned it. Mm. It was kind of rude. Yeah, you'd expect. Really. And, and can I say one thing? Of course. Never say to an actor, actor, because it suggests phoniness. Okay. So See, that's you smacked down in the first three minutes of the program. Smackdowns I could do, because what I like to do every day when I get up in the morning, I think, I'd like to learn something today. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> wow, it's a game of tennis right. here. Game of tennis here in the I Stop Girl Resonance FM studio with Dudley Sutton. And so that was really Simon nice. I, 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 wondered, I wondered if that was the only actor that's ever played you. Yes, to my knowledge. They don't let you know, so how do I know? Mm-hmm. You know I suppose these know? days we have to look it up online, but it's, yeah. it's, it's a nice thought. It's, it's, it's a weird thing about that film because I saw it and it came out many years after Joe and uh, Halliwell had died. And although I'd known them, especially Joe, very well, I'd, I'd, in, the, in the intensity of the film, uh, the end, when Halliwell beats him to death, took me by surprise. I'd forgotten. Mm-hmm. And I just got into a terrible emotional state and staggered out of the cinema sobbing. I had forgotten that awful, awful murder. Because Joe was one of the most charming, um, witty, sweet-natured, wicked, naughty boys I'd ever known. Mm-hmm. You know, that he could be hacked to, 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 to death by his, by his lover. Uh, I can't even comment on that. I'm kind no, of absorbing it that. It was just so bizarre. To, to wipe it off the blackboard mm, of your memory, because... Yeah. It, it had gone. Mm-hmm. Mind you, maybe it's just amnesia settling setting in early or Parkinson's or whatever, dementia. Dementia. Coming in early. I was actually reading about dementia in the arts yesterday in The Guardian and it was so sad. An article, frightening, questioning who we are. What does it mean? Oh, I met that lovely, lovely actor um, yesterday. My name, it's awful, Peacock. What's his Nigel Peacock? No, no, no. He's an old guy. Oh, he wrote. Um, um, oh no, I've gone completely. I'm sorry. It's fatal telling these stories without thinking the names first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I personally, I mean, I'm that little bit younger than you, but I'm just as forgetful. I don't think mm. we, we almost match each other on that as makes other things. Yes, I did a radio show years ago at the Edinburgh Festival for the BBC, and, and a, a reminiscence show, and the producer <laughs> took me out the night before, yeah, and she made me not tell the joke side of stories, but relate every incident that I was going to discuss. Yeah. And this went on till nearly midnight, and we were on at half past eleven in the morning. And when I went on, I realised what she had been doing. She brought every single name of place and incident and person right to the head, to the forefront of my mind, mm-hmm. so I didn't forget any of them the next day. So it actually worked. Yeah. My fear would be that you kind of, you know, burning it out before you actually well, get to Well, that was my fear. Yeah, that's yeah. why I kept resisting it. But she said, no, just tell the facts. I guess that's why she's a professional and I'm just a dilettante. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Dilettante <laughs> is only an English... No, it's a French word for... What do we call it? Well, there's amateur, but it's not amateur. No, amateur, amateur is, means love. Lover yeah, means exactly. a lover. No, we, we're very suspicious of people do, that do more than one thing. In The Guardian, you're called a Renaissance man. 
In, in, on the street, you'll call a dilettante. Po- polymath. Toss- polymath's good. Polymath is very good. I was described as a polymath when talking with Ava Bergman, who I believe is out there listening in London town to the show today. Ava! Ava, hello Ava. Ava's father was a polymath, and when I was telling her, not only do I do a live radio show, but I also enjoy plumbing. Mm. She just said, well, what a polymath. We're a polymath. So last time, not not quite the last time, but the last time we did reminiscences with Mr. Dudley Sutton, I think we recorded that at the Chelsea Arts Club, and you were talking. Did we record it there? Yeah, because you yeah. were out of your flat during that terrible oh, period. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's the flat right. period. That we could easily see into politics when we're talking about yeah, your terrible flat. We have to be flat. very careful about predatory capitalism. Predatory yeah. capitalism, neoliberalism, which I mention with a snarl absolutely every week on air and I stopped going. And Twitter. How about, where does that come in? In what way? Well, you were t- telling me on the street about you twitting about. Yeah, last night when the vote came through um, in the House of Commons and Labour abstained on the welfare bill, the Tory welfare bill, I tweeted to directly, I quite like Twitter, I don't like Facebook, you know, we're all pick and mix with our social media. Twitter I find quite useful and like a very good curated two-way news feed perhaps, but a number of the Twitter feeds that I'd supported during the election, Labour Lords, Labour Health Team, various Labour politicians and things, I tweeted to them last night with a sense of utter disgust and some really rather strong expletives that we can't use before the... um, Watershed. Nine o'clock watershed. Well, in, fact, in fact, I'd never <laughs> use them online, but I used them on Twitter yesterday to describe what happened in the Houses of Commons yesterday, and it felt nice to just be able to voice that. I did it on Facebook, mm. and I, I, I just posted a, a thing saying, it's, it's hilarious watching the Labour Party when presented with a socialist i.e. Jeremy Corbyn, scuttering around like an, an amoeba virus, virus on the on the slide of a, of a microscope. Mm. <laughs> They're scuttering like that. Left and right, literally. Pathetic. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a sad situation we find ourselves in today. But take it back to our last conversation in the Chelsea Arts Club, which you were in the Chelsea Arts Club because of force majeure of neoliberalism, forcing you from your home of 40, 50 years almost. And there you were in the Chelsea Arts Club while your house was being knocked about a lot so they could put the rent up. That's right. That's what they did. They came in and, and as always, presented me with a fait accompli on Friday night when my solicitors had gone home and I couldn't ask anybody. They were, they were quite wicked, and uh, they managed to say that they were responsible for refurbishing my flat. Now, there's only one person ever refurbished that flat in the last 42 years, myself. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, anyway, somehow they managed to do it, and so they chucked me out, and I went to stay in the Chelsea Arts Club. They refurbished the flat, sent a group in with the uh, very Orwellian name of the Fair Rents Agency. Newspeak. <laughs> Newspeak alert. <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it? Mm. Trebled the rent overnight mm-hmm. for taking a perfectly good habitat kitchen out and putting an IKEA kitchen in with some other trimmings trebled the rent mm-hmm. and I mean, refurbishment fair rents all of these new speak near terms rent. but the good side of that 
being at Evercloud has a silver lining was that you and I sat in the Charles Scott Club and talked about your adventures in Soviet Russia that's right with the Jane Littlewood Theatre that's right troupe or group group doesn't matter company okay Okay. theatre workshop company theatre that's it that's much better um and that was that was amazing. I was just the the image of you being in a train carriage with one of those steam trains with the Soviet yeah. crossed flags on the yes, front, absolutely. chugging across the tundra. Yeah, day and a night and a day. But cut to uh-huh. next time. Well, that was in 1957. By 1958, 59, we'd been in Paris with this play, The Hostage of Brendan Behan. Mm-hmm. And in 1960, we arrived on La- in, in, in New York, just before Labor Day, 1960, when Khrushchev was in his yacht, the Baltica, on the East River, opposite the great labor union's massive warehouses, on which, being true socialists, they'd written, Go Home Red Rat in enormous red paint. So where was the yacht? The yacht was called the Baltica. It was parked near the United Nations. He was pairing the United Nations. That would have been the time when Castro yeah, and Che Castro, Guevara well, this was it. Yeah. I don't know about Che, but Castro. Uh, <laughs> we, were, we, were on a, we were on a thing called the Circle Line, which is a boat that goes around uh, Manhattan Island. And there was an Irish-American um, captain called Sheridan, who was extremely right-wing, hard right-wing. And he kept saying, and there, in over is 34th Street, the hotel where the communist red, the red rat, Fidel Castro, is running his private brothel. <laughs> and we found out what had happened was a maid had found an upturned Coca-Cola bottle lying on the carpet. Mm. <laughs> It was so vehement. It was, it, I mean, going to New York in 1960 from England was like stepping into a Jacobean drama. It was during the, the run for the mayor of New York. I think it was a governor of New York. And they have these extraordinary names on the steps of Tammany Hall. Tammany Hall. That's straight out of Jacobean. Is uh, Carmine de Sapio. <laughs> Carmine de Sapio is, out, is without my lord. You know, it's just straight out of Jacobean drama. And they slag each other off in public, the American politicians, which is kind of thrilling. Mm. You know, <laughs> you could see you could see that a lot doing it. It'd be very funny. Well, one or two do. And, and sort far, of, far too few. In a it? sort of schneid way. They don't do it openly. So you hit New York with Joan Littlewood. Yeah. Was that your first time there? Yes, it was. It was. And the extraordinary thing is that, that I, I went... Uh, one of the reasons I went was because to meet my mother, who'd run away with an American officer during the war and left three sons behind wow. um, with their dad. Um, and I hadn't seen her. And I went... And I was terrified. And Brendan Behan kept saying, go on and meet your mother. Go on and meet your mother. So I went to Kennedy. So Brendan Behan was forcing you to confront your yeah, past. Yeah, That's yeah, rather yeah. Nice. yeah, but we'd been on the booze all night. We drank the plain dry at, <laughs> at Gander and had to go, go across at minus 30-something degrees to get some more booze. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a dedication, we were, Dudley. You've we never been well. one not to be the dedicated <laughs> man around town. It was incredible. And, and, he's, and, and I went and stood, and I looked at the crowd waiting for us to come off the airplane. And I kept thinking, I saw some woman, I thought, oh, God, I hope that's not her. And then I saw another one, I thought, oh, God, please, I hope that's not her. 
And then I saw somebody, and it was like DNA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was extraordinary. And we absolutely fell in love with each other. Oh, it was beautiful. Straight away. It was just immediate. How long since you'd seen your mother? Well, I was 20-something. I'd seen her when I was last about 13, I think. It's amazing. And she missed England to such a degree. And I could imitate most of the comedians on, on BBC, on the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And she, we'd be walking down the street and the tears would be pouring down her face. <sighs> As I'd be doing, um, I don't know who they were, you know, I can't remember. Tommy, them. someone called Tommy, probably. They're bound to be Tommy. But they all, they all saw it like that, you know. Oh, yeah. And she loved it. Um, in fact, recently, um, are we allowed to segue into a poem? Of course we can. Okay. <laughs> this is <laughs> Resonance FM, if we don't have a poem. <laughs> recently, I heard somebody say, a cappella, in a particularly aggressive way. Mm. I mean, it's... It, uh, Ah, uh, has got an accent. And capella, it means like the chapel, doesn't it? It means put your instruments down, no music. We a sing along. A cappella. Okay. Let's see. No, this, blow, this thing is a cappella. And it, and it reminded me of telling my mother these comedians. Al Reed was one. Mm-hmm. There was a little fellow by the name of a cappella who couldn't play a note to save his life. When he sat at the piano, his little sister Anna tried to cut his hands off with a knife. When he blew into the tube of the blotter ears in Cuba, a thousand miles across the ocean blue. When he grappled with the sackbut, they tried to grab it back, but he grappled that old sackbut in two. Now his efforts with the oboe were decidedly a no-no. His struggles with the heart was even worse. And when he tried the piccolo, they cried, don't be ridiculous, and wound up on his doorstep with a hearse. When he heralded the dawn with his mother's frugal horn, she telephoned to call the boys in blue, who read him out a statement from the local noise abatement society above a pub and crew. When the devastating din of his tortured violin shattered all the glasses in the bar, they grabbed the tenor saxophone and shoved it up his jacksophone as if you think we've gone too far. With nothing left, he was bereft, his life was but a farce. When they flung him out the window, he landed on the grass, right into a hornet's nest whose agonising sting caused him so much agony that he began to sing. The hills of... His singing voice was musical, it was magical, it was lyrical. The players of the orchestra cried, it's a bloody miracle. They pleaded to accompany him, forgetting all the pain they'd inflicted on their victim again and yet again. But he remembered very well, as in revenge did bask. Of course, you'll accompany me, I thought you'd never ask. You'll accompany me, all right, down to gates of hell, where once inside I will not bide, but bid you all farewell. Though is now he's gone these many years and lies beneath the sod. His memory lives on, my dears. Oh, yes, it does, by God. As players down the ages learn to hate this little fella as they sit in sullen silence at the order a cappella. That's it. Is this um, is, is, is that an exclusive? For it's an exclusive. It's FM? a first. Well, there you go. Um, you came rather late to poetry, didn't you? Yeah, fairly, yeah. I mean, I did the odd love songs when I was young, you know, love poems when I was young. It's quite late. Because you've never been known as a poet, you've been known as an actor, and then you take up poetry, learn to play the guitar and end up doing Glastonbury how many times? A couple of of times. Come on, you just trip over into stardom every time, then you? It's like... And Edinburgh a couple of times, yeah. Latitude. Um, in fact, the, the weekend I did a wonderful festival near Froome called uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. 
That was a gas. What were you doing there? I was with my granddaughters, my granddaughter, my grandson and my daughter, all staying in a caravan. Oh. And I did uh, my usual you know, shtick, you know, uh, yeah, but it yeah. was against tremendous odds because the microphone, the trouble with festivals, unless they set them up very carefully, they could be a bit chaotic. Mm-hmm. But the next year they promised me a better setup. Okay. Mm. In fairness to them, I only turned up asking to do a gig at the last minute. You know, it was really just for fun. Well, you're an old pro, I believe. Yeah, my daughter, mm-hmm. my, my granddaughter was my roadie. Oh. I feel like crying today. We've met your mother. We're doing granddaughters. There's such family essences around here today. Extraordinary. Yeah. Back to New York then. She was so unhappy because she missed London. She missed England. See, she'd she'd been in love with the flicks, like most girls, Chelsea girls during the war. She was in the black market. That's how she met the American. Mm-hmm. And she, we were, they were in love with the flicks. They went to the movies and they thought that New York was this glamorous place. When you turn out in New York in 1960, was one of the dirtiest, most run-down, chaotic, quite dangerous cities around. It was mm-hmm. not as this beautiful, elegant place with Gene Kelly dancing around Fifth Avenue. They would have, they would have raped him halfway down the street. <laughs> I mean, it was actually a thrilling place, much more thrilling than it is now. Mm-hmm. It's now very bland. But um, she missed it. She missed it very much. And, and she, uh, she made that choice to follow the dream and the lover. Yeah. And yeah. was kind of stuck with that. And he was an extraordinary man. I, I wish that my... I wish I hadn't been prejudiced against him, but uh, I'd like to have got to know him better. He's much more interesting. He was uh, he was Jewish, which of course upset my father no end. Who was very anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. He probably sowed the seeds. My attitude towards him, and uh, he was a very brilliant lawyer, wonderful, you know, very liberal defence lawyer, until uh, he went to the camps. Went to the camps. Uh, he saw the camps. Right. Uh, during the war and it broke him and he became very right wing very harsh this is your My stepfather your stepfather yeah and um, it, it's heartbreaking I wish I'd taken the trouble and the care to have got to know him because mm. he was a brilliant lawyer but he defended some pretty ghastly people it's a curious reaction I mean yeah. you, you get broken yeah. By something like that, I can imagine. But to break into a sort of right-wing worldview. Well, fear. they were called fear. the National Socialists, weren't they? Meaningless. You know, I don't know. Ne- ne- I, I wish I understood. I didn't no. take the trouble of to course. get to know him. It's another um, one of those misleading... But son, their son, Wally, is one of my closest... I love Wally. He's, he's a sweetheart. Yeah. He's, he's uh, Joe's son. So... Yeah. New York for you... Well, it was unbelievable. I mean, I was masquerading as an Irishman being in Brendan Behan's play. We all had to be Irish. And uh, (laughs) and we found the only place you could drink comfortably in New York was in a bar called Jimmy Glennon's. Because in the bars in New York, you have to sit down to drink. In Jimmy Glennon's, you didn't. You know, you just curious. And when Jimmy Glennon decided suddenly to take the jet to go home to Ireland for a week, you just serve yourselves. You know, and I met the Clancy brothers, <laughs> and we would all stand all night singing Irish songs. Uh-huh. And when the, in that great blackout, the electric blackout in New York, when all the baby boomers started, there, there was a massive. Um, 
destruction of all the electricity. People locked in in lifts and that. And this went on for a long, long time. We spent the whole night singing, mm -hmm. candles and drinking. And having a great time. Beautiful time. It was an extraordinary, it was an extraordinary place. Mm. You know, very, I liked it because when we first arrived, we thought that the New Yorkers are very rude. They're very in your face until you realize it's humor. You know, you go up saying, may I have the New York Times, please? You don't have to please me. <laughs> and, think, right. and then you sit in the lunch counters mm -hmm. these beautiful little lunch counters where you get this exquisite breakfast yeah. and a guy comes in and he talks you talk to the person behind the counter and then he shouts the order through the hatch and you go um, can I have um, um, a hamburger please kill an ox <laughs> can I have scrambled <laughs> eggs two eggs wreck them <laughs> um, corned beef on rye one corny cow coming through the rye and they have this slang. I've always been fascinated by slang. Mm -hmm. It goes on and on and on and on. And you just sit there loving it, loving it. And when I first met the black guys, mm -hmm. they were absolutely unbelievable because they treat the language. I've never understood Shakespearean punning. No. You know, in the, the, the black community in New York, they got a new language. They were playing with it and developing it and growing, just playing with it like with a medicine ball. So words would just... I went in mm -hmm. with my mother to buy a pair of trousers and she said, oh, my son doesn't want any pleats. Pleats? What's the pleats? And the pleats and the sweets and the creeps and the geese and they're dancing and up and down and they're all, lost. They're all gay and they've got stocking tops over their afros to keep their hair down and they're all up in the air, leaping about. And I suddenly understood what Shakespeare and punning must have been like. Okay, that makes such sense. Yeah, because when academics tell you what each individual pun means, it just plods. Yeah, it's dried it to a it's desert, awful. surely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's gay community in New York at that time, because <sighs> Mr. Sloan, entertaining Mr. Sloan, would have gone over to New York. That's right, 1964, and went to New York. How It was like the major hit in Britain, in London. Well, it was... It was Mm, yeah, yeah. It, it caused a lot of trouble, but it was uh, it was very it was successful. It got tell, money tell us a little bit about the plane. A bit of bit of what what was entertaining Mr. Sloan. Well, it was really Mr. Sloan is a man uh, that knew that he had a salami in his trousers, mm -hmm. and he knew that that salami was negotiable, mm -hmm. and it was very useful to pay pay the rent. And uh, but he was also not. Um, too bothered if the uh, regarding the gender of whoever it was that required the use of his salami. Was this a time in homosexuality? Was it still illegal in this country? When did that I change? Think, I can't was remember. Was that 67 or something? Was this, it quite late? This was in 64. It must have been. My yeah. dates are very bad. Uh, I, I, who for, you know, was very actively involved in, in um, anti-homosexual, uh, pro-homosexual law reform. Yeah, of course. No, no. I mean, it, it's something we can barely imagine today yeah. that there could no, be it, such oh a thing. Oh God, he's, it's just under the surface. Don't worry. I was it. just going to come round to that because yeah. the language we hear, the language of neoliberalism, which is based around fairness, the word fairness. It's not fair that a working family should be able to have a subsidised house next to that poor banker who has to actually pay for it. Yes, it's not fair. Let's move them all up to the north of England. It's the same language that seeks back, much as the jive talk, perhaps, 
seeks back to Shakespeare because history is a loop, isn't it? It goes round and round yeah. and round and round. And I find, if you do a little bit of academic research and not even scratch the surface too far, that the language of neoliberalism goes back to the early language of National Socialism. And we know where that went, don't we, boys and girls? Well, National Socialism was the was the great set of the great anti-communist party, and the the Russian communists were equally fascist. Mm -hmm. they, were, they were two sides of the same coin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were neither of them were communist, and neither of them were socialist. And no. Neither of them. Were, I mean, national they were, but um, it, it it just is jive. It's all jive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all nonsense. Language and jive but there's action, yeah. there um, needs to be action around that. It's very rare there's action. I mean when you say neoliberalism new liberal, liberal sounds lovely I'd love to be liberal. I'm well, a liberal person yeah, But I, I'd, I'd say there's a Can question Can we use that word There's a anymore? question of cleaning up the language. You've got to constantly clean up the language. You know uh, it, it, I mean I want to go back to one of my favourite things is why is censorship always go down the social scale? It always does. They the choose. social scale. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. choose what the middle, the middle class choose decide else, yeah. what what is legal for you to say. Mm -hmm. If you speak in the way that your parents speak, you are illegal. You can be punished. Now this is weird because I worked I worked with the new Cockney Jamaican mixture of language. Mm -hmm. You know, that language has given rise to English rap, which yep. is quite staggering. Mm -hmm. And unlike its American counterpart, it's not homophobic or, or vicious. Mm -hmm. It's very funny. Mm -hmm. So you want to be a gangster? Tell me just one tin. How are you going to be a hard man? Your mother buys your bling. <laughs> It's lovely. I have no idea what you're talking about, no. Dudley, obviously. I really don't understand. Talking just 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 very quickly, just say about last night, talk about jealous. I got a, a no no not jealous. Envious. Um just got back from Paris with Jimmy Fox, Jimmy Freud, Bella Freud's son, um, from a trip and he said, Oh, we've got the last poets coming to supper tonight. Silence on the air. The last poets, you know, they, they were the ones who did. Um, I can't play the last poets on air during the day, mostly. And I actually, I wanted to on a show once. I remember ringing up the studio, going, I, 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 "It was in reference to Jeremy Clarkson being not even pretend racist, but just out and out racist, bigoted as he was." And I wanted to play a last poets track, and. And I suddenly realised, I actually can't play it. There's so many reasons why I can't play it. And this is the original gang. They did some of the pre-rap rap stuff and performance with Mick Jagger, the film, um, Nick Rogue film. Yeah. And that was amazing, calling it as it is from the point of view of people living under this institutional racism. But they ended up going to supper in a flat in... West London last night because they happened to be in town and I think that's good for all resonance listeners Google that because the last poets are actually here doing a tour they've gone through the stages of crack addiction prison you name it all of the things that happen to people on the edge of societies and they've got the, they've got the band back together again and the last poets are actually touring around at the moment I'm going to try and get them to do something for resonance because unbelievable if you don't know them I'm going to I'm going to tell you all about them afterwards mm. but it will be a late night show because i want them to be the Themselves. last poets as they really yeah. are you see the, this brings me back to what we we're talking about mm -hmm. that censorship going down um the real uh, to me obscene la obscenity means that which is hidden mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that which offends middle class sensibilities 
means that which is hidden. It is obscena from the Greek. It is to the side of the scene, the skena. Yes, off to it's the side of the stage. Oblique. Yes. It's those big um, mummers that had giant genitals that would dance and take the mickey out of the gods that were doing all the grand speaking upstairs. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, so I would like to make a list of obscene phrases. You know, like um, extraordinary rendition. Um, Don't uh, get me started on rendition. You know, (laughs) I mean, you know, why don't we switch the whole thing around, have a great socialist revolution, the people on the streets of London, on the streets of, of, of England can decide what is legal and what is illegal. An extraordinary rendition would get you a sentence of five years in jail. At least. Just for saying it. At least, at least, at least. It's not just that, but it's all those banking terms as well that yep. are so evasive that nobody can understand them. It, 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 it's it's newspeak. It's everything yeah, 1984 absolutely. predicted. And that is nail on the head once again, Mr. Dudley Sutton, because that's where the obscenity yeah. lies in our society these days. Absolutely there. There's... I've noticed a complete draining of moral fabric. <laughs> no, I can no. no. I mean, no, I really mean that. Yeah, In the, but you're, it's it's very very difficult. I mean, nuanced. I was brought up C of E. I was brought up with the Book of Common Prayer. I was brought up with the King James Bible. Mm-hmm. Now, inherent in all of that is are a series of, of principles which we've lost. I, I, mean, I mean, I know I'm on very dangerous ground. I here. can hear the ice cracking, yeah, Dudley. Yeah, but I'm I mean, stomping no, all right, on it. Okay, <laughs> Book of Common Prayer, General Confession. We have left undone what we ought to have done. We have done what we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. Freudian psychology in three lines mm-hmm, of mm-hmm, elegant mm-hmm. English. You know. There are elements of thou shalt not kill, which would be quite interesting if uh-huh. pursued. You know, it, well, I think there's a danger that we throw, throw stuff at a baby out with the bathwater if we're not careful. Certainly. It's, you know, it's, the, the, it's the circularity again, The isn't King it? James Bible was written, by, produced by a very tolerant king called James VI of Scotland, James I of England, with a group of, I think, six committees... If ever you want to, to know about it, there's a wonderful book called Power and Glory. That's not, not Graham Greene's The Power and the Glory. This is Power and Glory, The Making of the King James Bible. And it is a remarkable piece of work. This, this is not, for me, an argument for religion or any of the bigotry or the, the power bases and the structures that have caused so much damage in the world. This is about, about the elegance of the... the internal tapestry of tolerance that goes through the best of the English language. Hmm. 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 Sort that out amongst the workers. I'm, I'm, I'm making it up. I'm going to sort that out later on. I'm really going to sort that out later on. I mean, because this is, you know, we'll start wrestling on the floor. Sarah, yeah, Sarah, Sarah, who's engineering for us today, will have to get the grease out of the bottle there and Dudley and I will strip off to our pants and wrestle in the corner oh, while we talk about that. But please. that would make an interesting sound piece and probably for one of the late night broadcasts on Resonance 104.4 FM and not pre-watershed. Tell me this, though. Mr. Sloan, I 
keep going back to that because I just loved seeing it in that film. It kind of, it, it, it was kind of like it moved um, a little compass point, thinking of our friendship and well, seeing, it, seeing that poster. When, yeah. What happened when it went to America? Well, the, the pink ticket, which is the gay ticket, loved it. We'd know it's the pink pound now, I guess. Yeah, the pink, it's pink ticket. The pink yeah, yeah, ticket yeah. in the theatre is the gay ticket. They packed the theatre and we had a wonderful time and great people like Beatrice Lilly came round and applauded us and all that. And we thought we were on a winner. Then on the opening night, the Hets turn up. The, bre- the Breeders turn up. <laughs> the anti-everything anti brigade. And before, within three quarters of an hour of that show coming down, uh, the critics on the radio slaughtering it. And the papers destroyed it, and the notice, you had to put the notice up that day in the American theatre because of insurance, so that you... What, you what does close, that mean? It means you close, you put the notice up that you're closing the play on the opening, the end of the opening night. Ah! Saves you a lot of insurance money, and everybody's <laughs> out of work in two weeks. I go down to Ninth Avenue the next morning, I meet Charles Gray, eminent English actor, uh-huh. in a beautiful suit, and he says, you lucky... I said, why? He said, I just read your notices. You got the worst notices ever. (laughs) He said, we've just got bloody raves. You're going to be home next week. I'm stuck in this effing place for another month. (laughs) (laughs) The life. But it was funny. It was funny. And Mm -hmm. it was sad because Joe was very, very upset. Especially as the theatre is on Times Square, and Times Square is full of pawn shops mm. all around with oh. postcards and, and so-called toys, sex yeah. toys. The it all looked to me more like yeah. weapons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Horrid. Yeah, the total hypocrisy. Um, the, I, I mean, I think there was also a, a feeling there were too many English shows on Broadway anyway. Uh, what else would have been around at that time? I don't Well, the one that Charles Gray was in. That one there, yeah. The one we know, no one remembers there was it now. Music, got brave reviews, yeah. no one cares. There was a no musical about, um, with Harry, somebody or other in it. I can't <laughs> <laughs> Good I, old Harry. I can't. I think he's still doing it. Actually, I, I understand he he's, he's actually still doing that. It's, it's not doing so well on the tickets, but still. That's right. Rita Tushingham and I used to play that game. I saw Harry Fowler. No. <laughs> um. <laughs> You've got to come up with another an- Harry. An- another, <laughs> another Harry. Another. Um, Potter. 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 No. No. Seacom. No. Seacom. Oh. Okay. Harry Seacombe. Saw Mike yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mike um, Fisher. Son. <laughs> Kane. So what happened? What happened next? With, with So you were in New York, closed. Did you have to come back to England? Leave your mother behind? No, I, I didn't. Um, I forget what happened. Oh, no, oh, no I'm muddling up the two plays now, 1960 and 1964. No, 1964, when that play closed I was in a bit of a state winning alcohol two and eight two, two and eight that was a bit the, of a two and eight winning alcohol that was Irish bars all night yes, long bit, bit and I had very very bad shakes and I had a film opening on, on in New York at the time called The Leather Boys <gasps> and I was supposed to turn up and sign autographs and despite loads of Valium, I couldn't stop the shake so uh-huh. badly, so I just didn't turn up. Oh. It didn't endear me to the producers. No. But, uh, I, I mean, by then it was all gone mad. Uh, I was on a television show called Good Morning America or something, early in the morning, and you go down, down to the studio. Have you ever been thrown up? <laughs> 
stairs to no, get no. out. It was quite fun. <laughs> and uh, I was in this in this studio, and the guy hadn't turned up. The guy that's running the thing. So he turns up very very late, and he says, "Oh, you asked a couple of questions first while I read up stuff." So okay. So I said to the bloke on the right, on my right, I said, uh, so, so tell me, what brings you here today? Well, um, I wrote Mac Knife. So I thought uh, Brecht and Kurt Vile did. Uh, no, no, I wrote the arrangement, the Louis Armstrong. I said, oh, I see, okay, fine. And immediately the thing. So then the bloke gets home. He said, right, thank you very much. That was Dudley. Uh, this is Dudley Sutton. I'd like to introduce Dudley Sutton, star of, um, looks the card, Leather Boys, uh, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful motion picture. And he gives an extraordinary and, and very, very, very talented. Uh, and I said, have you seen it? <laughs> And they popped a cornflakes in front of my nose and started extolling the virtues of this cornflakes. And I was thrown up the stairs and out on my ear down to um, Jimmy Glennon's. Yeah, yeah, back, back to the bar. Yeah. Um, I've often seen you wearing a little badge from the cafe. Ace Caf. The yeah. Ace Caf badge, because yeah. you're, you're... That was the Leather Boys. Tell us about the Ace Caf and the Leather Boys, just for a sec. Because not many... I don't know how many... Hands-up audience out there, who knows about the Ace Cafe, which is on the... Is it the A1? The A... There's... An, uh, North Circular. North Circular, there you but go. A lot of people know about the Ace Caf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... It's the centre for the, the motorcyclists and the so-called Tun-Up Boys. You know, because there was no speed restriction on the North Circular in those days. And, and, and in order to join the group, you had to have done 100 miles an hour. On your motorbike? Just a ton up, yeah. That was the ton up. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, 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 the motorcyclists were presented to us by the press as these evil killers who destroyed each other with knives and hacked each other to pieces and were murderers and really cruel uh -huh. and vicious people. So when we turned up to work there, because I was playing a ton-up boy, yeah. um, albeit I was dressed in plastic and they were in leather because it was a cheap production. <laughs> Bastards. You want to try riding a, 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 a bloody... Um, uh, uh, um, I bet you squeaked. Well... In the frozen fog on the A3 at dawn, with thin layer of plastic between you and that, I tell you, give me leather any time. Give baby. Dudley leather any time, yes. yeah. That word out to our sponsors there, Dudley's yeah. leather trousers. The point was that I was, uh, that I was playing, um, which is now recognised as the first performance of a gay man that wasn't a joke in English films. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud of that because I was, I was very, as I said before, passionately um, interested in homosexual law reform. I'd seen too many gay people being destroyed, men especially, mm. um, by the police at Savile Row Nick who would go into public toilets and produce their trouser truncheons mm -hmm. and if they excited anybody they'd swag them off and beat the hell out of them in the cells yeah and um it's, it's but the, the, the i mean i love the way people fight back public lavatories the doors don't reach the floor so you can check to see how many people are in there now if you're in there standing up being serviced by your lover who's sitting down you make sure you're standing in a Harrods shopping bag so it looks as if your lover's just been going shopping it's a little um, tip there from Dudley Sutton I'm out there for our readers this afternoon I love the way these tips on Isotopica here on 104.4 FM but it's these little <laughs> acts of rebellion that are so <laughs> so always funny and witty and so much smarter and cleverer than those giant 
concrete blocks of litigation. Yeah, the litigation. The, you know, humanity fights back. and Humanity always fights back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this health and safety nonsense. It's all about protecting the corporations from litigation. It's got nothing to do with whether you hurt your knee or not. Mm. You know, I was at the, uh, the National Theatre on, on Sunday emceeing a memorial of a dear friend who died, David Ryle. And we had to come in early to have a health and safety check over a step that was, I think, three quarters of an inch high. And I said that I, at the age of 82, I'd probably managed to negotiate stairs by now. Mm-hmm. But um, Just to make sure, I'm, years ago I went to see Wind in the Willows on New Year's Eve. Yeah. At, a friend was working at the Nat Theatre. And at the end of the production, he we waited in the auditorium and he came onto the stage and we jumped onto the stage and went back to have drinks afterwards. And there was a really big health and safety notice above one of the stage doors and it said, would all animals please mind their ears when entering the stage? And I just, <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. It was gorgeous. It was lovely. I, I mean, like that's that. where you have to take your health and safety seriously yeah. when it comes to animals' ears. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So there you were, New York, drinky, drinky, wobbling about all over the place, bit of a rebel. How was your hair then? Because I was looking at an old episode of... I had hair. Well, but yes. your, your, your hairstyle was a little rather Well, I good. had a sort of afro kind of was, style hair. But was that then? Days. Was that then, yeah? Yeah, yeah the, yeah. the fro. There was an episode of either the, the Avengers Sweeney. or the Sweeney with the most sensational Dudley Sutton fro. I, I thoroughly recommend. With In fact, uh, on my website, www.theculture.net, I'm going to link up for this program today and I'm going to put a picture of Dudley's fro from that period because it is sensational. But tell the story about that. When I arrived Story the studio, of the fro, everyone. Sit no, down. No, I was a hippie by then. I'd given up the booze, or the booze had given me up. Mm-hmm. And I was in sort of nice junk drugs by then. And I was a hippie and hippie. And I arrived at the set to do this episode of Sweeney and they looked at me. <laughs> I was prepared to take the beads off. <laughs> and the multicoloured boots and the Mr. Freedom trousers and yeah, all the rest yeah, yeah, of the yeah, shtick yeah. and the very Flair, Westwood t shirt. Oh, very Flair's. much so. Very Over much 28 so. inches, I assume. Very much. And weighted. Mm. Yeah. And um, they said, right, haircut. I said, no. Yeah. They said, well, I said, they said, you're playing a villain. I said, do you know um, a guy called Millhench? They said, no. I said, well, he's a friend of Harold Wilson's, and he's an arch-villain, and he's called Millhench. Have a look at his picture. I brought it along, and he had an identical hairstyle, uh-huh. so they couldn't odds it. Was that the one that was known as the Millhench fro? Can I just just spin around there? Because talking about pictures of you, which I shall also put on the website, I was watching a few years back, 80s production of Smiley's People. Oh, yes, I have red hair. And what was fantastic about that? The whole of this, who was the right? John Le Carrier. John Le Carré. John Le Carré. David Cormier. Thriller. Classic English spy thriller. We're talking about chalk marks on the benches, Moscow rules, dead letter boxes. I mean, the whole lot. And the whole programme with people being murdered here... 
people, lo- you know, people, everything. I mean, it was like international tensions were running high, and it all revolved around one thirty-five mil transparency of you in bed God. with two hookers and a double agent ne'er-do-well called Otto Leipzig. Really? You've got a better memory than I Well, have. no, because no, I just saw it. Yeah. I, it, it was like, it, you barely saw it because yeah. it was all about this negative, the whole programme. So we're talking about sort of six episodes over six weeks and all this hell was caused by... It's negative. ...by you in bed with a couple of hookers and Otto Leipzig. And it's a picture taken that was taken in a nightclub in um, the Ripabahn. The Ripabahn. The Ripabahn. It was fantastic. It had everything. Cold War, you know, all, all of this. It's very curious because I don't remember that bit. Well, it, it, it's, I screenshotted yeah. it. I actually yeah, made I the effort and, and, and sent it to you because yeah. it was so funny. And there I, you were. And I've, I've, I've since started working with Otto Leipzig, as you may know. He's now a fictional character we work with good at Otto oh yes 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 and um blackmail no it is funny because um what interested me about that was to play a Russian a KGB man is to play somebody with no sense of humour mm-hmm. at all mm. so you have to have you have to somehow have no absolutely no imagination whatever <laughs> And it's very difficult. So I wrote my dialogue, which consists of a series of questions, in my notebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't learn it. And I just went on. And I asked these questions. Mm. And I spoke that time. And it, it is immensely difficult not to broaden it in any way at all. And it worked very well. Mm. You know, like Le Carre, David Cornwall's name, he gave me copy of the book with a wonderful inscription on it uh-huh. and, and, and so on yeah, nice. lovely it's 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 i was sort of thinking of it in contemporary terms this notion of blackmail which was fundamental to the stasi yeah. the yeah. cold war yeah, yeah. it was all dirty tricksing and we're in a time now of this total surveillance that we have and Ah, but if you've got nothing to hide, that's where I was coming you've to. nothing to worry about. It's like with free speech. Leipzig. People, people who, you know, free yes. speech, we've got to have free speech, because if you've got nothing to say, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> but, you know, we all do. It's, it's kind of shaky ground, but surveillance, cookies all over your computers. They're coming to take you away, ha-ha, they're coming to take you away. Well, they've done it once before. As I have said, the closest I've ever got to commitment in a relationship is under the Mental Health Act. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> that goes back to drinky, drinky again, doesn't it? Some of really? those blankets. Yeah, 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 yeah. So New York once again. We've danced out. We've gone to Berlin. We've been in the Reaper Barn. We've been to Moscow today on a train. And New York in the sixties. People may have noticed, or they may not have, in the background. We've got some Arabic music playing, very, very quietly, very, very scratchy. It's actually a bunch of 78s, because when we were discussing doing this program today here on Resonance 104.4 FM, I thought to myself, um, I could illustrate that. I could illustrate the sounds from the 60s, but we all know those, don't we? 
we all know the Beach Boys. We all know. I wasn't thinking we were the Beach. I was no, thinking more Ornette Coleman. Yeah, that you know, was a plastic that, that sack. Nice. So stick a lot of that in anyway. We've, we've kind of mean. Barely a week goes by on I Stop It without Ornette Coleman in there somewhere. So today we've got scratchy old Arabic seventy eight. So something that is so oblique. I think it's spot on. Oh, that's very clever. Have you got any other poems for today? Yes, absolutely. It, it's what called... I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to fade the Arabic out in okay. the background. There it goes. Bye-bye, Arabic records. Bye-bye. Just for a minute. You can come back soon. It's a pity you haven't got a bucolic country band on there, because I need one for this poem. I've actually got something now. very, 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 very 60s for the play oh. out. But there you go. But that will come after Yeah, the no, poem. this has to be... Anyway, it's called Forbidden Fruit. One day a gusty autumn breeze was shaking apples from the trees and just as I was bending down to pick one up from off the ground a fellow bellowed, leave that there, you really ought to have a care what of safety, what of health, that apple should be on a shelf rubbed and scrubbed and sanitised, vacuum packed and priced by size think what danger there could be if we ate apples from the tree I saw this health and safety boy was pointing to a superstore, a blot upon the countryside where apples came from far and wide, though they, despite the salesman's hype, were seldom tasty, never ripe. Enter bucolic revellers with band. Home to earwig, wasp and spider, rotting apples brewing cider, for the lusty swains romancing busty dames at harvest dancing, prancing through the superstore, pissing scrumpy on the floor. Oh, if there had been a superstore in paradise in days of yore, when Eve had stuck her pretty neck out to take that apple to the checkout, where handsome, apple, handsome Adam manned the till, might we not be in Eden still? Ah. An eco-poem. Very suitable for this. Eco-time here in London town. What's that I hear in the background? Slow fade in of music. Is that the play-out music here on Ice Topica? Yes. Dudley? Yes. Thanks for coming in today, Dudley. Hi. We haven't finished yet. Oh, okay. It's just, uh, he, look, he's already trying to get the check from uh, Sarah Nicole check. over there. Yeah. Sarah's giving him an imaginary check across the counter here. Crinkle, crinkle, crinkle. This, this is this is the currency of culture these days. It's the culture. It's the currency of the imaginary check <laughs> to go into the imaginary account in the imaginary bank with happy land. I love this track. It's just too camp for words. Tyler McCoy playing um, What the World Needs Now is Love, Love, Love. What the World Needs Now is Love, Love, Love. There's an absolutely bonkers version of it. He's, at some point, he does like Glenn Gold, where he's playing the piano and actually sort of humbles, mumbles, mumbles oh, along to it, it in I this version. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of got, he, he just can't mm. stop himself. But Dudley, thanks for coming in today. My pleasure. We will have many more hours of Mr. Dudley Sutton here on Ice Topica on Resonance 104.4 FM. As I was saying earlier on, you can find details of today's show once I actually get around to writing it and putting it up there on my website, being www.theculture.net. Press all the buttons that seem appropriate to take you to the links that take you to the radio. It's there somewhere, and it probably says radio. That wasn't so hard, was it? No. 
Anyway, you can find details there of previous episodes, future episodes, and all things Eistopka and the culture, further art practices, things like that. My fondest regards to Lucille in Paris, who is also listening in today, I believe. So there's Ava in London and Lucille over in Paris. Two women who are doing all sorts of very interesting things around in my world at the moment. Lucille is working on cataloging some of my work, and I'm really excited about that because I'm such a scatty baked bean that I don't really catter it very much. Is that much. going to be a catalogue raisonné? Yeah, it's going to be we everything we hope. Chelsea we might actually club. end up if all things work out well, of selling a piece of work at some point, that could even happen. Oh, wow. Where are we going? Uh, we're going to the Woolsey, as usual. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not another bar meal at the Chelsea Arts Club, but full-on oysters, steak and chips at Oof. the Woolsey, as artists oh. like to do. Lucian Freud, flicking chips he left, dead. right in the centre. He, he dead, dead, man. He dead, man, but he used to eat there all the time. Anyway, this is Istopka. You have been listening to me, Simon Tishko, Sarah Nicole pressing the buttons on the mixing desk and Mr. Dudley Sutton, National Treasure and all round jolly good egg talking reminiscences from 1960s New York and all sorts of places around the world. This is me. This is Simon Tishko. This is Dudley Sutton. Bye, Dudley. Bye, Simon. Bye, Dudley. Bye, Bye, Sarah Nicole. Bye, Sarah Nicole. Bye, listeners. Bye. We'll be back next week.
This programme was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.